Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. She's my only daughter. Trapped in China, the fight for a daughter who can't get out. Amidst fears of the deadly coronavirus, this is Canada's first presumptive case of the virus is discovered. And this is, uh, you know, another example of the mayor just, uh, uh, you know, uh, acting for friends and not looking after the general public. Roadblock. Surrey threatens fines to stop ride-hailing businesses in their tracks. What Uber is doing? Hopefully a new family can take it on and, and enjoy it. Plus, letting go of the family home and the unique feature that may put it over the top in this tough real estate market. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with Canada's first presumed case of the coronavirus, a virus that's already killed at least 41 people around the world. A man from Ontario who traveled to China, ground zero of the outbreak, is now in a Toronto hospital after falling ill. As Kristen Robinson reports, concerns about the outbreak have prompted some local Lunar New Year events to be cancelled. So we're here to announce our first uh, presumptive positive case of novel coronavirus. As China raises its emergency response to the highest level to combat the coronavirus outbreak, Canada now has a presumed case of the virus that has sickened more than 1,300 people in China. The case is in a male who's in his 50s. Um, he had traveled to Wuhan, China, and uh, come back and within, uh, within a day became quite ill. The patient arrived in Canada on January 22nd and landed in Toronto's Sunnybrook Hospital the next day with fever and respiratory symptoms. The patient was detected and immediately put in isolation. Tests will be done at the national lab to confirm if the man who remains in stable condition in isolation is Canada's first confirmed case of coronavirus. If there is a case, we will inform you about it. The risk to BC still considered low, but the Centre for Disease Control has a diagnostic test ready for quick detection. of the rat celebrations still on in Richmond and Vancouver's Chinese New Year parade going ahead Sunday. But with 11 million Wuhan residents on lockdown, the coronavirus scare behind the cancellation of Lunar New Year events in South Surrey and Langley. I would be very surprised if this is our last case, but we have to wait to see. Ontario health officials say close household contacts of the patient are in self-isolation and the risk to the public is low. They've also come a long way since the SARS crisis of 2003. We know what the virus is. We have a fast, reliable test for it. And that really is a game changer. Kristen Robinson, Global News. In Wuhan, China, the epicenter of the deadly outbreak, the government has essentially put the city on lockdown to try to contain the virus. But 
Those measures, including a travel ban, has left millions trapped there. That includes a Canadian woman who doesn't know when she'll be able to come home. Nadia Stewart has that part of the story. Now there's no hope to get out there. And the situation is very dangerous there. Lily Liu is worried sick about her 33-year-old daughter, Fiona Dong. She's stuck in Wuhan, the Chinese city at the center of a deadly outbreak. And as of right now, there's no way to get her back home to Canada. She's my only daughter. I'm a single mother. I raised her up. I, I don't know, you know, if I, something bad really happened, you know. I, I just don't know what to do. Fiona traveled to Wuhan to spend Chinese New Year with her father and grandparents. She arrived January 10th. At that time, about 60 people were infected and one death was reported. Canada's first alert came January 7th, saying the risk to Canadian travellers remains low. By January 22nd, the risk level rose significantly, with government cautioning against any non-essential travel as the Chinese government banned access to Wuhan and other cities in Hubei province. But what happens to Canadian citizens caught in the middle of this travel ban? The answer, um, you know, from our government, the answer is they have no plan. So I really worry about that. Lily says her calls for help to get her daughter out of Wuhan and back to Canada have been met with silence. I saw so many countries, you know, they, they already take actions for their citizens. I hope Canadian, you know, government can also take action to help their citizens. Her family even tried the American embassy after the U.S. announced plans to bring their citizens home. But they say any request for help must come from Ottawa. Lily says she just wants her daughter back home before the situation gets worse. I can't imagine, you know, what, you know, the, the worst thing happened to me. I, I really, I really can't imagine. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Global Affairs Canada says it's monitoring the situation but did not offer any specifics about assistance for Canadians stuck in Wuhan. Adding Canadians in need of emergency help can call the embassy in Beijing. And a Prince George woman who was born in Wuhan is doing her part to help hospitals in her hometown. Vicki Larson and a friend are stockpiling surgical gloves and face masks. But Larson wants to buy more supplies, including sanitizing solution and full body protective equipment, and have them all shipped to overrun hospitals in Wuhan, which face a shortage of medical supplies. This really strikes at the heart. It's, it's my hometown where I grow up and I have so many friends and relatives, neighbors and schoolmates all still live there. I seen the pictures and the hospital is packed with people like in the hallway and people said they have to wait like eight hours to see a doctor and even to register and there aren't enough beds and there aren't enough uh, masks, gloves, everything, like short of everything and doctors and nurses are working 12-hour shifts and just no time off. We're small but I want to do everything I can and uh, I believe just every single mask if we can provide the virus from spreading is better than Tengang's cure later. Well, it's the roadblock Surrey mayors promised to stop ride-hailing companies just hours after Uber began accepting passengers on Friday. A warning was sent to the company saying ride-hailing drivers would face bylaw fines if they were found to be working in Surrey. But as Jill Bennett reports, Uber has no plans to park its fleet. 
Uber is alive and well in Surrey. This vehicle took just four minutes to arrive, despite Uber getting a notice Friday from Surrey's general manager of corporate services, saying with no business license, the company can't operate in that city. From what I understand uh, from the release that Uber did later on, that they were given until 9 p.m. Uh, last night to cease operations here in the city of Surrey. And from what I understand, this morning, they're still operating here in the city. Councillor Jack Hundile, who split from Mayor Doug McCallum's Safe Surrey Coalition last year, says the notice wasn't shared with council before it was sent to Uber. He learned about it on social media and has been inundated with calls and email ever since. This is, uh, you know, another example of the mayor just, uh, uh, you know, uh, acting for friends and not looking after the general public. McCallum has been vocal about his plans to block Uber in the past. Last September, making a strong promise at a special meeting with members of the taxi industry. We will not be issuing any business license to ride-sharing companies in Surrey. But while that might sound tough, the company has no plan to stop operations in Surrey. Uber service is available in, in Surrey today. The provincial government has been very clear that cities are unable to block ride-sharing from, from operating in, in them. Only the Passenger Transportation Board is able to approve uh, companies from operating in jurisdictions. The ministry in charge clarified in a statement saying municipalities cannot have bylaws that prohibit ride hailing and the absence of a bylaw or business license in specific municipalities related to ride hailing is not grounds for refusal of the service. I think he's absolutely incorrect that uh, to state that Surrey does not want this. Uh, I believe it's uh, probably uh, his friends that don't want this uh, and some of his supporters. But uh, clearly, overall, uh, as I've stated time and time again, you know, once you're elected into a position such as this, is that you have to represent the entire community, not just those that voted for you. So it seems even though the mayor doesn't like it, not only does the future live in Surrey, so does Uber. Jill Bennett, Global News. A high-end sports car and a movie trailer collided overnight in Burnaby, triggering a large emergency response. A Ferrari became wedged under a movie trailer on Willingdon Avenue near Canada Way around 2 o'clock this morning. Two people were trapped inside the wreckage of the sports car. The jaws of life had to be used. The pair was taken to hospital with undetermined injuries. We had two rescues and two engine companies show up. Uh, we used the... Uh, the JAWS hydraulic tools and uh, I managed to cut both patients out of the vehicle and they were turned over to BCAS and transported to hospital. Traffic to and from Tofino on Highway 4 is expected to start flowing again tomorrow afternoon thanks to a temporary bridge. The road remains closed at Kennedy Hill after a blasting fail. The highway was damaged Thursday when a scheduled explosion as part of the Kennedy Hill Safety Improvement Project caused a large volume of rock to fall across the roadway. Cars and small pickups were allowed to get through today between 8 a.m. and noon. Crews are now installing a bridge, and if all goes as planned, Highway 4 will reopen to regular traffic on Sunday afternoon. We have breaking news. Port Moody City Council has approved the installation of a crosswalk where a young boy was hit earlier this week. Council held a rare weekend meeting this afternoon to approve the signal crosswalk at Elgin and Clark Streets. A seven-year-old boy was hit by a vehicle on Monday afternoon. His injuries were serious, but non-life-threatening. The accident caused several residents to voice their concerns over the safety of the crosswalk. It's set to be installed later this year. 
A rude awakening for some people in the Fraser Valley this morning when a minor earthquake struck the region. Earthquakes Canada says the 1.9 magnitude quake struck just after 9 this morning, just north of Agassiz and about 15 kilometers northeast of Chilliwack. There were no reports of damage, but some felt shaking in Agassiz, Chilliwack and Abbotsford. Today's quake happened less than a day after a 4.5 tremor off the southwest coast of Vancouver Island. The BCSPCA is asking for your help after a heartbreaking case of animal cruelty in the Peace Region. This six-year-old border collie, St. Bernard Cross, was brought into the Dawson Creek branch with a gunshot wound to his right hind leg. Brownie will need surgery to remove the bullet and temporarily stabilize his leg with pins. The vet believes his wound was at least one week old and he was in so much pain that he stopped eating. Despite also being underweight and infested with fleas, the SPCA says Brownie is very gentle and loving. The cost of his care is expected to top $6,000. Brownie will need about two months to recover before he's ready to be adopted. A former B.C. Liberal has quit his post as Premier John Horgan's caribou liaison. Blair Lextrom resigned in frustration Thursday after months of failed attempts to get the NDP to include local government in the caribou rescue plan. Last June, the province imposed an interim ban on resource development in parts of northeastern B.C. in an effort to protect the struggling caribou population, leaving many communities worried about their future. In his resignation letter, Lextrom says he stands by his recommendations to amend the plan, which are supported by local governments, industry, business and locals. In a statement Friday, Horgan said changes to the text of the Caribou Partnership Agreement also require the consent of the feds and First Nations and cannot be done by the province alone. The life of a Vancouver LGBTQ and sex worker activist was celebrated today at St. Paul's Anglican Church. Friends and loved ones gathered to honor Jamie Lee Hamilton, who died December 23rd. She's being remembered as a person who walked what she believed in and sent a message to others who were unaware of the challenges that the LGBTQ community faced. Her friends say she made people listen and brought them to a place where they could understand and respect this community. It is a celebration. Um, we're just so grateful that Jamie Lee was given to us. I think each of us is really grateful that she was a part of our life. I learned so much from her. Jamie Lee Hamilton worked for a very long time towards equality, uh, fairness, in the, for the LGBTQ community. But more than that, as a person, she showed what generosity and compassion. She walked and lived that. The bodies of three Americans who died when a water bomber that was owned by Port Alberni-based Coulson Group crashed while battling the bushfires in Australia have now been retrieved. The C-130 Hercules tanker went down on Thursday after dumping fire retardant on a wildfire in southern New South Wales. The Australian Transport Safety Bureau Chief Commissioner said investigators recovered the tanker's cockpit voice recorder and took it to Canberra for analysis. Meantime, Canada will be sending a military transport plane and about 15 personnel on Monday to help in the ongoing fight. As wildfires continue to scorch Australia's outback, an Alberta man couldn't just sit back and watch while many risk their lives. As Chris Chacon reports, with no concrete plan or someone waiting for him, 
he decided to take a trip down under and just follow the smoke. At least 25 lives lost, thousands of homes destroyed, and over a billion animals killed, all by raging wildfires in Australia. The world watched in disbelief. Back in October, I started reading about it, uh, about the fires they're having over there, and thinking that the guys were going to get it out. It wasn't that bad. Dan Derwin is currently a councillor with Sturgeon County and served as a firefighter with the city of Edmonton for over 30 years. After fighting fires for three decades, it wasn't Dan's nature to think about how he could lend a hand. To go over and relieve somebody, take them out of that fire situation so they can get home, spend time with their wife, even wash their gear. While the thought may have been simple, the logistics of going down under were not. Derwin reached out to fire stations, but they were too busy and could not accommodate him. Despite just having his knee replaced and no specific plan, he made a bold decision. If I didn't do it then, I thought I never would. Paying for the trip out of his own pocket, he finally arrived in Australia, but had a tough time finding who to join or where to go. I had a car rented, so I just started heading south towards the fire. The smoke at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you couldn't see uh, two feet in front of your face. So at that point in time, I felt I was going to be part of the problem. After finally getting in contact with fire personnel, the local fire chief found a place for Derwin. He sent me to uh, Abedinby, and that's where I went. It was, that's about 50, mile, 50 kilometers, and that's where I went and uh, joined the boys there on the ground. And it was, uh, put me to work right away. While the fight was intense, there were also moments of beauty and even a chance to work alongside a well-known Australian. The ex-Prime uh, Minister of Australia, he's a firefighter. While Derwin could have taken time to shop and visit sites, instead he gave every minute of his trip to help fight fires up until his departure. I hope I made a difference. Krisha Khan, Global News. A retired couple in Coquitlam got quite the shock Friday. Pat and Barry Carlson were sitting at their kitchen table in the morning when they heard a loud boom outside. A large tree in their backyard had been struck by lightning. The impact tossing debris and garden ornaments throughout the yard. Pat says she waited a few minutes until everything calmed down before going outside to make sure the tree wasn't on fire. Fortunately, it was very wet and the tree also didn't topple or split. That's where it was, right there. Boom. Amazing. Everything got extremely dark and black, and then it poured like almost hail for three or four minutes, and then kaboom! <laughs> a big flash. Take a look. And that's yeah. that's what happened. And I just Looking felt, right and everything it. shook. Felt like my heart stopped. You don't know what a boom is until you see a boom. <laughs> Glad they're okay. People in a Victoria community are being told to bring their pets and small children indoors after a wolf sighting. Police released two photos of the wolf in a tweet this afternoon in James Bay. Police and conservation officers are now attending parks and areas with children to ensure that there are no interactions with the animal. Wolves typically are very secretive and will run away from people. If you do see a wolf, though, make yourself as big as possible by raising your arms and make a lot of noise. Good advice. Frozen to the ice, these adorable kittens have their tails encased in ice. How one quick-thinking oil worker rescues them from their icy prison. Well, some snow art in Coquitlam has long melted, but the young artist's message remains. Whenever there's enough snow, Tiffany Yang builds snow sculptures on her front lawn. Every year, she chooses an endangered species, this year, a mountain gorilla and its baby. 
Yang believes every action in carbon footprint matters and that we should do our part to lead a minimal waste lifestyle. In past years, she's built a Siberian tiger, a northern white rhino, and a mother polar bear and cub. The artist and environmental activist borrows her neighbor's snow for the sculptures, which she hopes will spark awareness and conversations about saving the planet. Those are really cool looking, aren't they? Let's bring in our weather special, our weather specialist, Yvonne Shell. Those are so cool. That was very cool. And I'm wondering, we had so much snow at Coquitlam if she even had to borrow her neighbor's snow. But who knows? I know. Very impressive amounts. All right, we'll start off by saying gong e pa choi to anyone who's celebrating the Chinese Lunar New Year. Uh, um, we are looking at uh, another round of rain that is going to push in, and I'll have the timeline in just a moment. Temperatures are sitting at 8 out of the airport. An easterly wind, it's dry out there at 17 kilometers per hour. Temperatures today bumped up to 9 and potentially 10 for a few areas. This is the next weather maker that is going to push in. We are going to see a round of rain. The heaviest rain will be overnight leading in towards the morning hours. Temperatures today, so highs up to nine right across the island. It was similar for Victoria, four for Kelowna today and areas near the peace. It was chilly and just above the freezing mark up to one. We're currently sitting at two for Whistler, Kelowna and Nelson. Good evening into Prince George with your current temperature at one and Prince Rupert sitting at seven degrees. So this is the next round of moisture that is going to move in. It'll likely be overnight and for the morning hours. So periods of rain to kick things off for Sunday and then towards the afternoon similar to what we saw today it'll be mainly cloudy with the chance of showers and then approaching the evening another wave of rain is going to move in five and up to 10 millimeters for tomorrow morning and then an additional five and up to 10 as we approach the evening hours along the mountain passes however we still do have some snowfall especially for areas near Whistler if you're traveling along the sea to sky two and up to four centimeters the Coquihalla and Kootenai Pass with higher amounts up to 15 Allison Pass eight and the Rogers Pass a range between two and up to four centimeters. So 10 and potentially up to 20 millimeters. Looking ahead at the rain forecast amounts, this even takes us in towards our Monday morning. Higher amounts could be along the North Shore Mountains, pushing in towards high sound and areas near Squamish. An increase in cloud cover for the piece, a few flurries popping up for the afternoon. It won't be much in terms of accumulation and then rebounding quite quickly approaching both Monday and areas near Tuesday. As we look to areas near Whitehorse, though, the wind chill still very chilly, minus 27 and then bumping up to minus 18 for the afternoon. A few flurries will be in the mix and then it'll be much drier late day tomorrow. The northern half of the province, one more wet and windy day. The winds, if you're closer to the water, could get up to 50 or 70 kilometers per hour and then a break on Monday before the next round does start to push in on Tuesday. Caribou and Central Interior, two and up to four centimeters of snow. Sunshine for Monday and then an increase in cloud cover on Tuesday. Columbia and Kootenai could see some wet snowfall for the early morning hours and then changing over to rain. The snow level will be rising to 1,100 meters and the tops in Okanagan. Just wet snowfall for the morning with temperatures close to or hovering the freezing mark and then changing over towards the afternoon. Whistler 2 and up to 4 centimeters. Still tracking that for the early morning hours on Monday. It'll be changing over to rain and then a dry day on Tuesday. And across the island it is going to be breezy. A mild one up to 10 degrees. But a few spots if you're closer to the water will get up to 50 kilometers per hour. 30 across Metro Vancouver up to 10 degrees. The heaviest rainfall for the morning and then it picks up late day for tomorrow with another round of rain quite soggy in towards next week. The silver lining, Jen, however, will be the mild temperatures. Back to you. Mm, yeah, those look really nice. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Well, it's a dramatic midair performance. You've never seen anyone tickle the ivories quite like this. This pianist was lifted high into the sky by a crane to perform a classic concert called 
vertical piano. He's shown playing over a building site in Germany. This is a part of Munich's out of the box festival, I'll say. Hmm. Well, three trapped kittens have been rescued by a quick thinking passerby in Alberta. What are these little guys? It's all right. Aw, an oil worker noticed the kittens frozen to the ground on his journey home from work. Unable to free all of them with his hands, he poured his warm coffee over two of the kittens' tails, which thawed the ice, allowing him to carry them all to safety. All three kittens have now been rehomed and are recovering well from their ordeal. Oh, oh those poor little kittens, they are pretty cute. Oh, stuck Coffee, in the snow. what can't it do? Yeah, caffeine, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. It Pick me up. <laughs> Well, lots tonight. going on. All-Star Games going on in St. Louis. Canucks well represented with uh, three players, and so far they've uh, made their presence felt there. Quinn Hughes scored a great goal. They'll show you that. And Milos Raonic just on court, round four at the Australian Open. And so lots of things going on. We'll check it all out. Thanks for me sneak back into your yes, shop. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> Thanks so much, Barry. It's nice good to, to have you. you here, by the yeah, way. Yeah, thanks. Barry, you've got a little bit of everything for us in this sports cast. Yeah, and we're going to shock the world and start with hockey. Oh, Although who saw that coming? Yeah, sometimes the All-Star <laughs> games, I mean... Well, you never know. Not, I think they're fun to watch in person on television, eh, but... You're going to make it great. I'm going to make it so you can't turn away. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, Jennifer. The NHL All-Star Game seems to have found a, a format that works over the past few years, going with the three-on-three games, pitting the four divisions against each other. The Canucks, well re- represented in St. Louis with three All-Stars on Team Pacific, Elias Pettersson, Jacob Markstrom, and Quinn Hughes. And here they are, the aforementioned Canucks with their pregame intro. Second appearance for Pettersson, who was there as a rookie. First appearance for Markstrom. And, of course, the rookie Quinn Hughes also with his first appearance. Markstrom tested early. Breakaway by Nathan McKinnon. And great stop by the Canuck keeper. Matthew Kachuk, they've been the story this week with Brady playing on uh, one of the teams and their dad, Keith, born there. And look at that. Matthew scores. Of course, the coaches are in the boxes there. Gretzky and Brett Hull. one nothing there. And then now 2 nothing Team Pacific. Tomas Hertel will beat Jordan Binnington. And it's 3-0 Pacific. Central came back to tie it, but hey, it's Quinn Hughes. How about that play? Wow. Little Peter Forsberg action there by Hughes with the deke. Right now, 6-5 Pacific in the second. We'll have the complete highlights tonight. Now, earlier, Team Atlantic versus Team Metropolitan. Kristen Jerry, the Surrey Delta boy, having a breakout year with the Pengs in goal. One of the goalies for Metro. Shea Weber, the pride of Sycamus, wiring the one-timer there. 2-0 Atlantic. Now tied 5-5 late. This is the game winner by Victor Hedman. And Atlantic wins 9-5. So they advance to the final later tonight. Before the Australian Open started, Milos Raonic was the forgotten Canadian in the men's draw. Both Denis Shapovalov and Felix Auger-Aliassime were in good form and expected to make a run. Same for Vashik Pospisil, who played so well at the Davis Cup and ATP Cup, but all of them were eliminated in the first round. Raonic has been hurt the last couple of months, hadn't won a tour match since last October, but he's the only one standing. He has breezed through his first three rounds at the Aussie Open, impressively beating six-seed Steph uh, pod the other day. Raonic just on court now for his round of 16 match against Marin Cilic, who has been as uh, high as number three in the world a few years back. Milos doing what Milos does, hitting the big ace there, and then he'll have another ace here. They are on serve right now in the first set, 
4-3 Milos leading. We'll have all the highlights tonight at 11. Meanwhile, earlier, an epic battle between Aussie Nick Kyrgios and highly regarded Russian Karen Kachanov. Kyrgios won the first two sets, looked well on his way, but... Kachanov fought off a match point to win the third set tie break. In the fourth set, though, what a great point. Kyrgios with his uh, Boris Becker impression diving there. The pro Aussie crowd in Melbourne was roaring, but Kachanov won the fourth set. Fifth set tie break as well. Again, Kyrgios with a fine drop shot. Now to a third match point for Kyrgios, and this time Kachanov fires wide. And after four and a half hours, Kyrgios is into the fourth round where he will face Rafa Nadal, who does not care for Kyrgios' on-court antics. That should be epic. That goes in a couple of days. Welcome back. Port Moody's Julia Budd has the biggest and most lucrative fight of her MMA pro career tonight at the Forum in Los Angeles. She will be the main event as she takes on MMA legend Chris Cyborg for the Bellator Featherweight Championship, which Budd has held for the past three years, defending it three times. Cyborg dominated the division in UFC for many years before being knocked out by current champ Amanda Nunez last year. If Bud can win, it will set her up for even bigger paydays and fights in the future. We will have highlights at 11. Third round of the Farmers Open from Torrey Pines in San Diego. Tigers won eight times at Torrey Pines. Seven Farmers titles plus a U.S. Open. Had a nice front nine. Curls in the 14-footer for birdie at the third. Two birdies in his first three holes. Tiger to six under on the fourth. Tiger chipping. This is for par. And he knocks it in. Those are round savers when you can do that. Then at the 18th, Tiger with another long one for par, 15 feet, and he drains that one. Tiger at seven under, tied for 11th, five off the lead. Shot of the day, you can't even see him. Jordan Spieth up against the grandstand, chips it out of the rough, got some speed to it, takes a big right turn, and this one is going to end up in the cup for birdie. Spieth way back at three under, tied 43rd. Jordan's still having a lot of problems after being a dominant player a few years ago, but he'll like that one. Spaniard John Rahm won his first tournament at Torrey Pines back in 2017. That was his first of three PGA Tour victories. Sticks the tee shot on the par three. Rahm at seven under, 65 today. Leads at minus 12. No Canadians made the cut. LPGA stop is in Boca Raton, Florida for the inaugural GameBridge LPGA. Canada's Brooke Henderson in the mix, which is usually the case every week. Short birdie putt here at 16 after a great tee shot on the par three. Brooke tied eighth at eight under, but she is seven shots back of the leader. Sweden's Madeline Sagstrom. This is for Eagle. Just misses, but an easy cap in birdie. Sagstrom going for her first LPGA Tour win has a two-shot lead. She's at 15 under. Freestyle skiing moguls from Mont-Tremblant, Quebec, and all eyes on world champ Mikhail Kingsbury, who grew up about a half hour from there and Kingsbury does what he always does. He skis a flawless run with the medals on the line. Combination of speed, skill, and just pure technical ability to absolutely nobody's surprise. He takes the gold. He's won 58 of his 103 career World Cup starts and has hit the podium 85 times out of 103, which is mind-boggling. World Cup two-man bobsled action from Germany. Justin Cripps out of Summerland, B.C. was fourth after the first run, but then he and partner Cam Stones of Whitby, Ontario, cranked it up in the second round. They ended up posting the second fastest time of the second run and in the process moved from fourth to second to pick up the silver. Cripps is off to a great start this season in both the two-man and four-man events. He's combined to win five medals, including two golds so far. A German sled won today's race. Rugby sevens from Hamilton, New Zealand. 
Zealand. Strong opening day by our Canadian women. First up, Ireland. Charity Williams will get the try here as Canada marches past Ireland 24-7. Their second match was against Spain, and Canada had no problems in this one as they won at 35-5. As we see Alyssa Allaire take it in, we can also say Canada won their pivotal third match earlier today, New Zealand time, 21-19 over France. So Canada is into the Cup semis against Australia. That has just gotten underway. Canadian men also went undefeated on day one. Opening match against Ireland. Match tied at 21, just over a minute to play. Irish threatening, but Vancouver's Harry Jones, a great defensive play, intercepts the pass. Canada goes the other way. And it's Nathan Hiriyama who will flip it to Phil Berna, who just will explode through the hole right here. And then he will take it in all the way. And a great result for Canada as they beat the Irish 26-21 in their opener. Next up was France. This one a lot lower scoring. Came down to the final plays. Canada down 12-7. Dave Richard will go in for the try. This one ended 12-12. Canada just beat Spain 21-14. But France edged them out on point differential for first in the group. So Canada will meet the USA for fifth place tonight at 10 o'clock our time. Yeah. And, of course, the big rugby in Vancouver, March uh, 7th and 8th, mm -hmm. 8th and 9th, somewhere in there at BC Place. Always, always popular. Always fun. Always fun, uh, always popular. Getting to get dressed up and go. Yes, it is fun. <laughs> Thanks so much, Barry. Here's a look at your snow report for tonight. Four new centimeters for Whistler Blackcomb. Two for Grouse Cypress. Four in Sasquatch. Three. Eleven new centimeters for Manning Park. Similar for Fernie. Revelstoke. Four. And same for Kicking Horse. Big White with six new centimeters, a base of 286, four new centimeters for Silver Star and Apex. Two new centimeters for Mount Washington, 17 new centimeters for Whitewater, Red Mountain, Powder King, two new centimeters, Powder King, a base of 297. <laughs> All right, snow report done. How about this? In the Lower Baylands, tough real estate market, any house for sale needs to stand out from the rest. Now, one home is really trying to stand out because it includes a piece of skateboarding history. Here's Julia Foy. For 47 years, this house was where hundreds of Maple Ridge teens came to play. I had five brothers, so there's six of us growing up in this house. To keep those boys busy, they turned to skateboarding. But the sport wasn't always appreciated. When we were skateboarding uptown at the old library, um, getting chased by the jocks and getting kicked out by the police. But times changed, and Dion started his own advocacy group and created New Line Skate Parks, which design and build parks around the world and in his own backyard. For my two sons that skate and my three daughters that really want to get in and learn skateboarding, and for myself and my friends, it just made sense to build something in the backyard. Usually in the summer, yeah, I'm out here quite a bit. Like friends over here in skateboard keys, yeah. How old do you think you were when you started playing? I was like, like seven, like seven years old, yeah. But brother Shay started even sooner. Started skating as soon as I came out. <laughs> I've been skateboarding my whole life. Yeah, yeah, my entire life. There it is. This bowl has also been enjoyed by professional skateboarders like Andy Anderson. And Adam Hopkins. They're both hoping to qualify for the first ever skateboarding competition at the 2020 Summer Olympics. Yeah! Now this shrine to the sport can be yours. The house is up for sale and the skate bowl comes with it. Of course you have swimming pools and sometimes you'll have a wooden ramp, but never anything quite like this. It would be 
wonderful if someone that had ties to the family bought the house. Dion says his family has now outgrown the home, but he hopes its skateboard legacy will live on. Hopefully a new family can take it on and, and enjoy it. Julia Foy, Global News. It's like a kid's dream, and you can just catapult yourself into the pool? What was that? Barry, you could do that. Uh, no, I was wondering around who on this set would be, uh, would, that would be best for, and I, I'm just thinking of Vaughn. Because I'm lowest to yes, the ground. Lowest yeah. to the ground. I thought you that and I might be tied for that. I don't know. You wouldn't lowest have far to, to fall, I guess. Yeah, that's okay. If that doesn't work out, there was a trampoline that was right beside, and then you could put the pool. Much so softer. Lots of the pool would be more money. I'll option. do the apray yeah. by the fire. Okay. <laughs> I'll do that. That's I'll true. Do that. And they mentioned, uh, they mentioned uh, Olympics. Qualifying for the Olympics. Yeah, first Central. time ever so that skateboarding, you know, we've seen the cross between the uh, mm -hmm. X Games and all the extreme yeah. sports and Winter Olympics and, and summer. So first time ever skateboarding. So yeah. wouldn't that be something to branching out? Got their start in their backyard. That would really be something. Yeah. Hey, and Gong Hei Fat Choi, as you had mentioned earlier, Yvonne, to everyone out there celebrating Lunar New Year. We'll see you tomorrow night. Thanks for joining us.